I think we can all agree that learning is more fun when you do it with friends, right? So if one of your summer goals is to learn more about the science of reading and how to incorporate it into your classroom, then let me invite you to join our free summer book study. During the month of June, we are gonna be hosting a free book study for teachers just like you, where we are gonna work our way through the book, Shifting the Balance, Six Ways to Bring the Science of Reading into Your Upper Elementary Classroom. And we'd love to have you join us. We're gonna read one chapter a week and inside our book study Facebook group, you're gonna get to participate in things like our weekly Facebook Live, discussion posts, you're gonna get some really awesome freebies and the chance to win some stellar prizes. All of this is going to help you align your instruction with the science of reading next year. It's gonna be fun. And even if you don't think you'll have time to read every single chapter, still consider joining. You're gonna get a lot out of the group even if you don't have time to read the entire text. So I hope to see you this summer where we can all learn alongside each other. You can sign up at stellarteacher.com slash bookstudy. That's all one word, stellarteacher.com slash bookstudy. And I'll see you inside our group. You're listening to episode number 178 of the Stellar Teacher Podcast. Hey there, friend. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I always love that we get to connect through these podcast episodes. And I am especially excited that you are tuning in because we are getting ready to start our first deep dive into the five pillars of reading. Now, if you listened to last week's episode, then you know that I did the big intro to talking about the big five in reading, which are phonemic awareness, phonics, fluency, vocabulary, and comprehension. And in that episode, I let you know that we're going to be doing a longer series here where we're going to dig deep into each part of the big five. This is like the foundation of reading. And so it's so important as educators that we really have a strong understanding about each of the five pillars and what that looks like in our classroom. So to kick it off, I have my very good friend, Christina Winter, who also happens to be a literacy expert. Christina is obsessed with all things related to the science of reading, especially with learning and sharing the reading research. She's got quite a long list of credentials that talks about her experience. She is a member of the Reading Science Academy. She's completed countless hours of webinar training and courses, including the Reading Teacher's Top 10 Tools, and she's in the process of completing her letters training. And for those of you that have done letters, you know that it is pretty serious and it is jam-packed with information. So Christina is going to come on today, and we are going to talk about phonemic awareness, specifically some myths that surround this really important pillar. Really, phonemic awareness is where it all begins in terms of reading, and unfortunately, there are maybe some common misunderstandings or myths out there, but Christina is going to debunk all of those and really set us up for success when it comes to making sure that we are providing our students with a strong phonemic awareness foundation. So I am so glad that you are joining me today. Let's go ahead and jump right into the conversation. Teaching literacy is tough. But with the right tools, you can be not only good, but great. Amazing. I'm talking off the charts impactful. Hey, I'm Sarah Marie, a literacy specialist with over a decade of experience working as a classroom teacher and school administrator. Tune in each week to this podcast to hear no fluff lesson ideas and strategies that will help you feel confident in your abilities to truly grow your students as readers. Are you ready? Let's dig in. Hi, 
Hi, Christina. Welcome to the show. I am so, so, so excited to have you on today. Hi, Sarah. I couldn't be more excited to be here today. Thank you so much for having me. So Christina is one of my favorite people in real life, and she also happens to be an incredible literacy expert. And so I feel very fortunate. We have many conversations off the podcast just about reading and literacy and the science of reading. And so, of course, I wanted to have her come on and share some of her knowledge with my audience. So super excited that we get to chat today. Now, we are going to talk a little bit about phonemic awareness, which, full disclosure, is not like my area of strength. So I'm so excited that Christina gets to share a lot about phonemic awareness with my listeners today. Now, we know phonemic awareness is a part of like the big five, right? So we've got phonemic awareness, phonics, fluency, vocabulary, and comprehension. But I feel like phonemic awareness, at least for me, like that's a term where I'm like, yeah, I remember hearing about it in college. Like I kind of know what it is, but can you go ahead and give a really good definition of what phonemic awareness is? So my listeners are like, we're all on the same page when we get started with this conversation here. Yeah, Sarah. So funny that you bring up that you heard about it in college (laughs) because I didn't hear about it in college. Really? (laughs) Yeah. It wasn't until like I really started diving into like the reading research and the science that I really understood the importance of phonemic awareness. I think I must have gotten lucky because now there's a lot of things I did not learn in college. But when I was in college, I remember we read through the national reading panel that whole document booklet pamphlet thing. And they like, I learned about the big five in college. So like, like I said, I've heard about it. You are such an expert in literacy. You had like amazing head start. The national reading panel is not a really fun thing to sit and read by the way. (laughs) (laughs) I remember it was really hard, but I, it gave a good foundation. So, (laughs) so exactly what is phonemic awareness? And this is a, a really good question because sometimes there's confusion between phonological and phonemic awareness. Those two things often get interchanged or mixed up. So first of all, phonological awareness is the ability to recognize and manipulate the spoken part of sentences and words. It's like, if you've seen that umbrella graphic, that's phonological awareness. And then like one little arc of phonological awareness is phonemic awareness. And so phonemic awareness is the ability to notice, think about, to work with the individual sounds in our spoken words. So that could be things like isolating sounds, blending, segmenting, and even advanced skills like deleting sounds, adding, substituting sounds in words. So that's the differentiation phonological awareness tasks also include the bigger units. So think phonemic sounds are small. Phonological is those bigger units like word activities, syllable, onset rhyme. And then again, phonemic awareness is that little arc of just sound. I think that's super helpful to really distinguish because I know that I've used those terms interchangeably. And of course, as I learn, I'm like, oh, wait a minute. (laughs) Like phonemic awareness is a smaller part of phonological awareness. But I love that sort of visual of like the big umbrella is phonological awareness. And then one small part of that is phonemic awareness. And it is really with like the individual sounds. So why is it important though? Like how does phonemic awareness help students when it comes to reading? Especially because I think a lot of the teachers in my audience are upper elementary And when we're in upper elementary, we're thinking like words and sentences, like we don't get down to those individual sounds. And so can you explain how does phonemic awareness help students when it comes to reading? Well, the reading research, I mean, sometimes research is 
not exact. We know science is evolving, changing, always not exact. But the one thing, I mean, Dr. Stoller from the Reading Science Academy, she'll whole thing about this and she was like steadfast. Like there is one thing that we know that phonemic awareness is the foundation of reading and it is very critical In the year 2000, the National Reading Panel identified it as one of the five, the big five. The research shows that students who have difficulty with phonemic awareness is a predictor of their development of poor reading, poor spelling development. And then likewise, kids who have really good phonemic awareness skills are really proficient readers. So that is something that we know, like without a doubt, from the science, from the research. It's just really critical that our students can match those speech sounds to print with automaticity. And maybe you've read the book, David Kilpatrick's book, Equip for Reading Success. Yes. And he teaches us that in order for kids to be able to orthographically map words and That's that mental process of storing those words so that we can effortlessly retrieve words. We can read words by sight, right? In order for that actually to happen, that we have to have letter sound knowledge and phonemic awareness skills. So that is really, I mean, that's like why it's so critical for our students to have phonemic awareness. And it totally makes sense. It's right. It's like before we can get to the matching of the sounds with the letters, it's like we need to have an understanding of the individual sounds. So it totally makes sense. And I feel like it is one of those things, though. I mean, I, you know, have been out of the classroom for a while, but I was a first grade teacher, a second grade teacher and a fourth grade teacher. And for the most part, like I remember teaching first grade and second grade and we had a decent phonics program, but I don't ever remember being given resources to really support phonemic awareness. And I'm just like, oh, great. <laughs> like, yeah. We were missing something major in first grade. <laughs> You're not alone, which this is like a perfect segue into what we want to talk about next. So with that shift, right, we know like now we know that phonemic awareness is important. And I know many schools are starting to shift from balanced literacy to structured literacy which means, you know, teachers are becoming aware how critical phonemic awareness is. However, I know that there are a lot of myths out there or misunderstandings when it comes to like what effective phonemic awareness instruction looks like. So can you just walk us through like what are maybe some myths or misunderstandings around phonemic awareness and really what does the research support when it comes to effective instruction? Yeah. So again, the reading research is so clear about how to make phonemic awareness instruction the most effective. Again, if we go back to the year 2000, the National Reading Panel, the findings were steadfast. And and studies thereafter, I mean, 2000 was a lot of years ago. I was going to say it feels like just yesterday, but it was a long time ago. (laughs) I mean, when I think about that, but the studies thereafter continue to say the same thing and the recommendations from research. So I wanted to share with you, with the listeners, six things that we really have to keep in mind to make our instruction most effective. So first of all, we must prioritize phoneme level skills. And can I ask you to define, just to make sure, because I know sometimes these words, like phoneme is, again, I'm like, this is a term that We should know, but it's so easy to forget what that is. So what is a phoneme? Okay, phoneme is the smallest unit of sound. So when I say that's the sound, 
the letter, the grapheme we would write for the k would be a C or a K or a CK, right? So it's just the sound. Perfect. So prioritizing the phoneme level skills. Now there's this like misconception. And again, many people, many of the listeners have probably seen this like staircase thing that's showing that students have to make progress up the staircase through these larger phonological units. Remember word awareness, syllable, onset rhyme, like all of that. Say a compound word, cup, cake, put it together, cupcake. But the research says that those tasks do not directly relate or correlate to becoming a proficient reader. So the research instructs us or recommends is that we focus on three things. Phoneme level skills, three things are the ones that matter. Phoneme isolation. So what's the beginning you hear of cat? Isolate the sound. Blending. Teacher says, frog, and the student says, frog. Or segmenting, teacher says, tree, student says, t, or e, right? So phoneme isolation, blending, and segmenting. That is where the money is at. Those are the skills that we need to spend our instructional time on. Yeah. So at one, I think like this, if anything, is like good news for teachers, because I feel like especially even... You know, it's interesting that you say that because I, you know, I can't remember what book it was, but something that I've read recently even listed out so many of those extra things. And, you know, as a teacher, it's like, wait a minute, I don't have time to do these, (laughs) all of these extra things, or how do I do this or how do I prioritize it? So I think if anything, for teachers, it's really good news to know that like you can provide really effective phonemic awareness instruction by focusing just on those three things, the isolation, the blending, and the segmenting. Right. And that takes me to point number two or recommendation number two, that our instruction should focus on just one or two phoneme level tasks. Again, blending, segmenting, or isolation within our single lesson. There's a really popular phonemic awareness program out there that a lot of schools, a lot of districts, a lot of teachers even have purchased. And this program has them doing 10 different sets of activities. So if we're asking kids to identify rhyming words or tell me the onset rhyme, and then now we're asking them to delete phonemes and blend. It's like, I mean, can you imagine being like a six-year-old? And like, we're switching task every five words. That is a lot. I mean, even for not even just a five-year-old, like even for a fourth grader, right? Like that still is a lot or, or yeah. for, a te- for a teacher to be like, wait a minute, like now my brain needs to shift. You know, that still is just a lot of task switching. Yeah. And what we see is that, you know, the kids who have strong phonological phonemic awareness skills already aren't needing that actually the training, the kids who are weaker at it are actually the kids who need it, but it's like task changing so much that it's really not beneficial for them. And I think what I keep reading in like Facebook groups within my community, like out in social media is teachers are like, oh my gosh, this program is so amazing. My kids are so good at it. And I just keep reminding teachers, like, we don't want kids to be good at a phonemic awareness task. Yeah. What is our end goal? Reading. Reading. Yeah. 
Yeah. We want kids to be proficient readers. We want them to be skilled readers. So great if they get like, if they understand how to do these tasks, like to play the game, that's really not what we want. (laughs) We want them to be able to take the skills, blending, segmenting, isolation, and move into reading. That is such a good reminder. I'm glad you brought that up because I think it it can feel so tempting as an educator. It's like when you put a new program in place and you see your students are doing well with that program or that routine or whatever it is, it's like, oh, my students are doing great. But it's like, okay, are they doing great with the program or are they doing great with like real reading? It's like we constantly have to go back to like evaluating our the materials I'm using and the you know tasks that I'm having my students do is that resulting in real actual reading as opposed to success with an individual program. Right. And and that's the end goal, right? And and I get it. Like you're a busy teacher in the classroom. You haven't had something all these years. Now somebody has like said that this is what we need to do. And now you have this and wow, look at your, you know, your universal screening scores are way up and you're like, this is amazing. My kids are amazing. You know, but again, we ought to go back to what is it that the research tells us? Well, and it's like, if you do have a program that has some of those extra things, it's like, just focus on the blending or the segmenting or the isolation and only do one of those, you know, per like lesson. So just sort of forget the extra and do the stuff that we know really works. Exactly. That's the recommendation I'm always making to teachers because, you know, they're like, I have to use this program. Well, continue to use it. Another huge misconception that's out there is that phonemic awareness is, it could be done in the dark. I've heard that a lot, right? It's oral only, like you just, the whole hearing, yep, and speaking. Oral only. And the research, it's so clear that we need to integrate letters. So what that means is, again, the phoneme is the sound, the grapheme are the letters. So we need to include the letters when we can during our explicit instruction or small group, whole group, however you're doing it. Doing things like phoneme graphing mapping, that's just matching sound to letter. Do word chains, do word building activities. That's going to build phonemic awareness skills for your students. So it doesn't need to be done in the dark. You know, that's this misconception. It is. It's, it's, it becomes phonemic awareness with phonics is what it's becoming. But I think that is, you know, again, I think such a good reminder and I, I've always sort of struggled with this, but I feel like we we try to teach things in isolation, right? Like I'm teaching phonemic awareness and now I'm teaching phonics and now I'm teaching vocabulary and now I'm teaching fluency. And, you know, right, we want to separate things because it's easy to, you know, plan for that is to cross it off our list. But it's just like everything is so integrated in literacy and everything is so interconnected. And I think sometimes it's hard to wrap our minds around where it's like what I'm doing could be phonics and phonemic awareness like at the same time. But like, It is. They don't have to be like very separate or isolated. You can be hitting on multiple aspects of literacy in a single lesson. Exactly. And actually that takes me to my next point or the recommendation from the reading research is that our phonemic awareness instruction should align with our phonics scope and sequence. So Louisa Motes, she's awesome. She said that by focusing on the phonemes first, you're going to warm up the students' ears for what they're going to see in print. So they're really making, again, that connection between the sound and the symbol, the sound, the, the sound and the letter, right? 
So if you're working on short A in my class in first grade, you know, beginning of the year, we're doing short A word study, right? We're going to do phonemic awareness task, blending, segmenting words that have the short vowel A sound in them. It just naturally makes sense, right? And again, there's that integration piece that you were talking about. I love that sort of just like analogy or, you know, I don't know if visual is not the right word, but that analogy of like phonemic awareness is like we're warming up our students to the sounds that they're going to see in print. And it totally makes sense. If they can hear it, it's going to be easier for them to see it and hear it, and which will be easier for them to write it and read it, you know, all of that. They have to be able to hear it first. Yeah. I'm always like visualizing. I don't know how this got stuck in my head, but like a waterfall sound, then letter, word, then phrase, then sentence, then paragraph, like, like this falling of like, you're giving kids the tools to do all of those things and put it all together. And the end goal again is reading, right? Yeah. Reading and writing. I mean, cause that's the other thing. Phonemic awareness doesn't just benefit reading. It's necessary for writing as well. Yeah. I have two more. Yay. So the other recommendation from the research is that we should be starting early and giving explicit instruction for everyone. Obviously, structure, literacy, we know, explicit, systematic, and all of that. But the research shows that we need to be starting in our lower grades as far back down as preschool or pre-K, kindergarten, and first grade. And really, if we have solid instruction in kindergarten and first grade, and students are progressing, they're not struggling, then they really aren't going to need a lot of phonemic awareness training into second grade. That's what the research really shows with us. I want to ask a question about this because, again, a lot of the teachers in my audience are upper elementary teachers. I also know that they have a lot of students, like so many teachers have been saying, especially since COVID, that they have students that are on, you know, kindergarten, first grade, like non-readers in their classrooms. So like, What's the recommendation if you know for like an upper elementary classroom, like whole group phonemic awareness is not necessary or is it necessary, but with like the more advanced word parts or are we only wanting to do phonemic awareness for the students that are really struggling with reading? What are your thoughts on the role that it plays in an upper elementary classroom? Well, for sure with that teacher, I would definitely say that the first step is to do like a universal screener, which is just looking at where are the children? And then from there, we do that diagnostic. And that's like a deeper dive. Like, let's check. We see that there's a problem. Let's check and see what exactly is the problem. So if you have a great amount of students, if you look at like your tiers, you know, and you have a great amount of students who would benefit, who are lacking, then yeah, you're going to go back to that. A great recommendation is David Kilpatrick's The Past. You can go to thepast.com and you can download his diagnostic screener for free. He even has in there where you can like, it tells you how to score it. If you've taken letters, you're very familiar with it because there's like a whole module on that. But it can really pinpoint what skills and go back to that lowest deficit skill for those kids. So like in an ideal world, if students come to, you know, teachers like third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, and everybody is like on level fluent readers, then phonemic awareness isn't necessarily something that needs to be a part of their instruction, right? Right. 
Yeah. In the upper grade. But if you have students that are struggling with reading, it 100% needs to be a part of the instruction. Yeah. Yeah. If they're struggling with like the word recognition pieces of the reading rope, right? If they, if they're struggling with like reading words, then definitely look there. Okay. Super helpful. I feel like. Yeah. So starting early, explicit instruction for everybody. Again, the misconception is that there needs to be like this long amount of practice. Again, how you were saying like our day is split up into these nice little quadrant, right? No, the National Reading Panel found, the studies found that we really just need six minutes a day. I'm like, that's the best news ever for teachers. Because if they're like, I've got students who struggle with reading. I don't have enough time. It's like, no, you have six minutes. Like you can totally do something in six minutes that will support their phonemic awareness, which will have a huge impact on their growth. Yeah. Okay. So the last recommendation as a teacher, I'm struggling with this. So let's chat about it. Yeah. The last recommendation is that phonemic awareness is best taught in small group. So that's like what research supports. That's what the research supports. And it makes sense, right? Because when you have like four, five students in front of you, you can really monitor their responses. You can provide feedback. You can scaffold. You can support students as necessary. That's in a perfect world. But if you're thinking about your tier one instruction, going back to that short A lesson that I was talking about with my first graders, I'm going to want to teach my phonemic awareness as my warm up and all of that, and then support in small group. That's really how I feel it needs to be because also you're thinking about your time. Like, why would you want to be doing several lessons, the same lesson over and over in small group? That makes sense to me from like both an instructional standpoint and like a time standpoint. Like if you're doing, you know, the first time you're doing short A phonemic awareness activities, you do it with the whole group. And then I'm assuming, you know, like, of course, with everything and, you know, tier one, tier two, it's like the students who need the remediation, like continue to support in small group. But I mean, I can see how it would be beneficial whole group, even if the research supports small group, maybe both whole group and small group. Yeah. And for sure, you know, you're at risk children, you're going to be meeting them every single day and you're going to give them extra doses every single day. But I just see like you can get the most bang for your buck right. with your whole group and then follow up in your small Do group. Do additional small group practice with whatever that group specifically needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So those are the six recommendations from the research and some clearing up of the misconception. That's super helpful for me. And I feel like I've learned, like I said, you know, I first heard about phonemic awareness back in college. So I'm not like a stranger to it, but... I feel like I've even learned some of the things that you mentioned and so many good reminders, you know, especially I love what you said, how it's like our end goal is always to get students to become proficient readers and writers. And so we really have to make sure that we're not focused on getting students to master a program, to master a specific task and stop there. Like we always want to see, is it continuing on to their actual reading and writing? That is like the end goal always. And we need to keep that forefront of our mind as much as possible. What encouragement or advice would you give to teachers? You know, if I have listeners who are like, okay, I'm just learning about phonemic awareness for the first time. I have students who are struggling with word recognition. I don't have a phonics scope and sequence, or I, you know, have no idea where to get started. Like what advice or encouragement would you give to somebody who literally is starting at the beginning and maybe has little, little support, little resources available to them? Okay. Well, I'll just plug myself. (laughs) (laughs) Hop on over to my website. I know you're going to put it in the show notes. 
Because I have it all broken down, like exactly like what we were talking about, the difference between phonological awareness, phonemic awareness, broken down and all the things that you should be doing. And then you can download like a free set of lessons that you can try out in your classroom that aligns with the research, all the things we were talking about. But just keeping in mind, first of all, as teachers, if you're shifting, if you're making the shift right now from balanced literacy, if you're unlearning and relearning new things, please give yourself grace. Yes. Take little bites, you know, but just keeping in mind that the research is so clear, the explicit systematic instruction and aligning everything we do within our word study, it needs to be aligned to your scope and sequence, whatever scope and sequence. If you don't have one, you can get one on my website too. And then if you are one of those teachers who has a required program and you're like, all these tasks, 15 minutes a day, and you're like, I need to, first of all, like 15 minutes a day is not going to hurt anybody, right? right? We're not going (laughs) to hurt our children by giving them too much phonemic awareness and phonological training. It's not going to hurt them, but we could better use those minutes on other things, right? So like you were saying earlier, Sarah, is pull out those blending, segmenting, isolation skills. Or I tell teachers, set a timer, you know, set a timer and that's the amount of time you're going to use. And then you're going to move on to the next part of your lesson. I love that. Very helpful things, I think, especially for teachers who are just getting started. As always, Christina, you seriously are a wealth of knowledge and information. I am so grateful for your friendship. First of all, I feel like you've encouraged me so much through my own literacy learning journey. And I'm so glad that you're able to encourage my listeners now as well. How can my audience connect with you after this interview? If they want to continue learning from you, if they want to check out some of your resources, what you have to offer, where's the best way that they can get in touch with you after this conversation? Well, I hope they'll visit my website, Mrs. Winter's Bliss, and connect with me there. The most reliable way to like connect with me is through my email family because you know social media, we don't always see the posts or all the things. But emails generally get delivered to your inbox and I have fun emails. So please join <laughs> me there. Yeah. And on Instagram, Mrs. Winters Bliss, you can find me there. If you send me a DM, I always answer DMs. You might hear my voice <laughs> because talking is easier than typing. But yeah, I would love to connect with any of your listeners, whether they be, you know, lower primary or upper primary. If I don't know the answer, I know a lot of people who are amazing, just like Sarah, who I can send, you know, send you, send you on your way there. But yeah, this is super fun, Sarah. Again, I feel fortunate that we are friends, but I just, I love our friendship because you're an amazing woman, but I also love that we are literacy nerds. I know this very well could have just been like a normal conversation that we're having and we just happened to record it. So... Well, thank you so much for coming on today. We will link to all of those things that she mentioned in the show notes. Definitely follow her on Instagram, check out her website. She has a ton of resources, both for lower elementary, but if you are even an upper elementary teacher who has students who struggle with reading, check out a lot of the things that she has to offer. So again, Christina, thank you so much for joining me today. This was such a great conversation. So much fun, Sarah. Thank you again. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Stellar Teacher Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are finding value in this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you would follow along and leave a five-star positive review. This helps me spread the word to more and more teachers just like you. And don't forget to join me over on Instagram at the Stellar Teacher Company. 
You can always find the links and resources from this episode in the show notes at stellarteacher.com. I'll see you back here next week.